0: What I say to you, I say to all. Keep awake. Mark chapter 13, verse 37. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Oh. When our Lord Jesus bids us to stay awake... We, of course, all know that he's not speaking literally right, as in never sleep. Um, Although there were a few saints in the past who tried to really cut down on their sleep for this reason, but they learned very quickly it didn't go very well. And so pastors everywhere since have said, no, be very careful when it comes to your sleep. Um, So we know Jesus is speaking in a metaphor, right? It's a metaphor. But what does he mean? What's the real world referent to the metaphor? What does he mean when he says stay awake? Conversely, what would it mean to fall asleep? Like within this language that Jesus is using. What exactly is Jesus asking us to do as Christians? And especially in this Advent season, when we begin to anticipate the celebration of our Lord's first coming, right, Christmas, uh, and at the same time, we recall his promise that he will come again a second time. What does it mean for these things to keep awake, our Lord says it several times in this Gospel lesson we heard this morning and elsewhere in other parables in the Gospels. Uh, it's a language which the apostles themselves uh, pick up and use, and they actually kind of shine more light on the term. So I want to read for you two other scriptures to corroborate with the Gospel that we just heard. The first is uh, Paul writing to the Thessalonians, chapter 5, verse 6. He writes, uh, So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. Right? So he's kind of adding language to this thought world of awakeness, sobriety. And John, um, in this revelation, chapter 16, uh, records uh, Jesus saying, Behold, I'm coming like a thief. Blessed is the one who stays awake, keeping his garments on, that he may not go about naked and be seen exposed. Okay, so two more verses. And I think what these two verses sort of illuminate about what aspect of awakeness Jesus is uh, enjoining us to have, I would give them the words attentiveness and preparedness. That's what he means by being awake attentiveness and preparedness. And I think the sort of spiritual quality uh, of these characteristics uh, is kind of teased out when we think about their opposites, um, when we think about being asleep. Uh, so think just very literally, like for a moment, like outside of the metaphor, like in real world sleep. Um, when we are literally physically asleep, we're unable to control where our minds go, right? It's the big problem of dreaming. Like we don't have volition to say, well, I'd like to dream about these things. Thoughts just kind of come upon us. We are for, uh, uh, hopefully eight, but maybe uh, much less uh, if you have uh, kids. <laughs> um, we are for several hours of every day uh, as unrational as beasts, right? Like, like animals who don't control their own minds, but as a sort of passive to impulse, so, so are we when we sleep. To be asleep means to be inattentive, by definition. Uh, and it's not just our minds, right? But our bodies also uh, are paralyzed when we sleep. They're actually cut off being able to work, except in a very few cases, right? If you've ever uh, had a roommate or a spouse who's had a bout of sleepwalking, um, you realize what a mercy it is that our bodies do not usually respond uh, to what we're dreaming about. But this... uh Paralysis of our bodies, this sort of the state of being physically asleep, it's a big vulnerability, right? If there's a sudden crisis, like the people who are sleeping are not going to be the most useful. Like this is why in ancient times there was always the watchman keeping guard, because someone needs to be ready in case something happens. Being asleep, by definition, means being unprepared for what sort of waking life would present. So that's, I think, kind of putting a bit of skin in on this um, to try to illuminate unpreparedness and inattention. These are the things the Lord now kind of transitioning to from the metaphor to what he's spiritually enjoining. Uh, this is what the Lord is charging us to do, to, to neither be unprepared nor inattentive. Not, of course, to natural things, but to spiritual things, to not be spiritually sleeping. Which would mean, I think, you know, to be a sort of snoozy and, and dopey Christian—the opposite of what Jesus is charging us to. I think most simply means um, forgetting the things that are true, even when we don't, see, though we don't see them with our eyes. Right? Does that make sense? That like this sort of this sort of drowsy forgetfulness about the unseen reality that God has revealed in holy Scripture and through His living witness in the church. Being inattentive, to be asleep, would be to be inattentive to the fact that, for instance, God's eye is ever watching us, weighing our worth, as the psalmist says. That, as I've been preaching about for a few weeks, that all our deeds are being recorded uh, and will be unfold, uh, revealed. The to be inattentive to the fact that we actually have a Savior, a very real person, not just an idea, not some sort of blurry fiction of a God, but a real person who has saved us and longs to save us further. Jesus, sitting at the right hand of the Father right now. To fail to keep our attention on these unseen realities would mean that we would be unprepared, right? We'd be snoring while the house burns down, uh, as useless as a sleeping person, uh, specifically unprepared to meet our judge. As faithful adopted sons and daughters of the judge, of the king, uh, we are instead to keep awake, to be attentive and prepared, sober, uh, mindful, or to use a great old churchy word, which uh, has blessed me greatly, is recollected, to have recalled to yourself continually as much as possible these unseen realities and to live in light of them this uh, charge to be awake applies to you know all of our lives throughout the whole church here um, but it's an especially useful charge in this sort of cultural holiday season because as we all know uh, this next month is the time when we all uh, kill multiple fatted turkeys uh, we bust open our best wines and cakes and cookies and pies and preserves and candies and name whatever else sort of leads you to that sort of New Year's Day reckoning with the bathroom scale. Uh, and I'm not trying to poo-poo these things into themselves. I enjoy a good Christmas pudding, a good glass of port as much as the next guy. <laughs> um, but with these things, we need to be careful that they don't put us to sleep, literally. Sorry, spiritually. So this is, you know, for instance, God calls drunkenness a sin not because he just wants to sort of poo-poo and make sure the festivities don't get too excited, but because if we become physically inebriated our soul is also put to sleep. It's impossible to have lots of drinks and be able to pray. To be able to keep the eyes of your heart fixed on God. It's the opposite of staying awake. It's inattention to the things of God. Uh, I think a great paradigm that guides me with the use of Uh, Drink in particular is uh, a story from the Desert Fathers. One of them was celebrating, they were celebrating um, an Easter feast with the church. The whole church was gathered together and one of the younger monks brings this old monk a small glass of wine, which he happily drinks, like for the festivity of the day. Um, And he brings him actually a second one, which he also happily drinks. And he brings him a third one and he says, brother, is there no devil in hell? And I love that, that even in the midst of festivity and enjoying kind of the good things of creation, the recognition that, like, the spiritual battle never ends. There will always be temptations to fall asleep spiritually and to fall into worse things, into sin. And what the old monk was saying that, yeah, if there was no antagonist, if there was no liabilities, if my soul was, if we were already in paradise, well, I wouldn't have to be careful about these things. But as it sits in this mortal life... We do need to be careful about them. So even in the midst of festivity, remembering that God calls us continually to be awake to Him, to not close our eyes to spiritual realities. In other words, the key to godly festivity is moderation. And it's not like the cold calculating moderation, I think, of the Puritan. Um, it's a happy moderation for one who's thankful for the good things that God does give us to feast with. Um, G.K. Chesterton, who says these kind of things very well, he said, um, we should thank God for beer and burgundy by not drinking too much of them. Right? Do you see how like, the Christian principle of moderation isn't one of sort of like, oh no, we just have to be careful, like, just because it's a rule. It's like, no, no, because our heart needs to continually be mindful of God and of his realities. And so, in our feasting, even, to to never forget those things. Remembering that the same Lord who turned water into wine at Cana, thereby sort of saying, like, feasting is good, is the same God who, in Isaiah chapter 5, when people take it too far, he challenges his people, condemns them even. Chapter 5, verse 11, he says, "'Woe to those who rise early in the morning that they may run after strong drink.'" and tarry late into the evening as wine inflames them. They have lyre and harp, tambourine and flute, and wine at their feasts, but they do not regard the deeds of the Lord or see the work of his hands. Even the Old Testament prophets saying that same thing, that like overindulgence in festivity clouds spiritual vision, puts you to sleep. And I think what's true of drink, it's actually also true of food. Um, Overeating can uh, knock out the soul as much as over-drinking. And here, in this part, I'm really in confessional territory, because um, like so much of America, I sort of made light of holiday overeating for most of my life. Like, I mean, we have all these jokes, right? Like, oh yeah, food coma. I mean, we even think that's like a funny thing. Um, It's dawning on me more and more, and so I want to share it with you, that it's impossible to eat like that. And at the same time, keep your eyes, of the, the eyes of the heart, fixed on God. So I'm trying this holiday season, and I encourage you to as well, with God's help, um, to enjoy food in godly moderation as well. Uh, lastly, you know, with the sun setting earlier and earlier, right, and the nights longer and longer. Um, my experience is that the TV screen also is sort of calling for like more and more audience. So it's like, well, it's dark, there's nothing to do, let's just watch more TV. Um, and it, it occurs to me that we actually use at some deep level, we spiritually know what's happening. We've invented the phrase binge watching, right? I mean, actually taking a gluttonous metaphor for our media intake. And so you know, again, in this sort of holiday season, um, to stay awake spiritually, to enjoy what is restful and festive and recreational in these long nights, um, but not too much, to be careful, to always keep our hearts fixed on God. Because I think uh, the scriptures are so clear that the things of the world that God has given us have built in within them a little trap that could say, love me too much, enjoy this too much, fix your sort of well-being in life on these things. And those things are in real life, and also the televised version of those things. We actually can sort of attach too strongly to the things of the world through, through the screen. But I think our Lord's charging us in each of these areas of sort of what we think of as sort of holiday time recreation. The Lord is saying, keep awake. We must stay awake. Chiefly because, as we also heard in the Gospel, the Lord's coming back and we need to be ready to receive him when he does. But more than just that, it's not just a question of sort of being caught um, with your hands in your pockets, so to speak. Uh, It's also this this sort of regrettable but sad thing um, of just neglecting the presence of God in daily life it's not just for sort of this end sort of moment in sort of the narrative of things but just that right now there's a God who loves us who actually wants us to know him and, and to be known by him uh, and we just kind of neglect that in this sort of like stupor of sleepiness like ah oh, well I think about God things sometimes but I was like no no he actually has offering a sign of an infinite joy and bounty and meaning and depth and connection in life uh, which we, we neglect to our loss not just to sort of this fear of, of judgment day we choose things that fill our bellies uh, rather than choosing the things of God so often. So um, as we sort of kick off this holiday season and we share meals with each other, which is a good and a godly thing, as you have family and you travel for family and you know make all the sweet cakes and everything, um, I just encourage you to keep ringing in your ears what's ringing in mine as I've been sort of reading this lesson preparing for this week. Keep awake. Keep awake. Enjoy that glass of wine, but keep awake. Enjoy that slice of Christmas cake. Keep awake. Don't let these things put us to sleep. Keep awake. Amen.